Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We reach the final furlong. Hello and welcome to episode 43. Yes, if you're marking your scorecards now, it's 40 plus 3 on the Real Football Cast. I'm your host, Dan Tracy, and in the next 60 minutes, I'll be dissecting all the hot topics in football. As per usual, I'll be discussing what has been going on in the Premier League over the past few days. While in addition to that, there are also some off-pitch activities that have caught my eye, and they'll be getting my attention in the next hour. It's just me running the channels this week, as again, it's a bank holiday Monday, so while everyone else is out and about, you know, B&Q shopping and the like, I'm the only one crazy enough to be stuck inside. However, needs must, and those needs are to bring you another episode of The Real Football Cast. So, before I do that, I best do some social media bits first, otherwise I'll be talking into the abyss once more. So first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at StanTracy1983. Anything show-related, send it my way. You can find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast. And if you use that platform, then don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you're not a fan of all things Apple, you can also find me on SoundCloud and Acast. While the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. As you should know by now, The Real Football Cast is sponsored by Loserpool. And what is Loserpool, I hear you ask? It's the company behind the game, Last Man Standing. One which is free to enter. However, there's no pools at the moment because the season is all but done. Next season there will be though, and it will guarantee a winner £1,000. Something you won't want to miss out on. The odds of winning are great, but they're even better if you sign up. Right then, it's time to go live. And where should we go first? Let's look ahead first. Something that I don't usually do, but I did do it a fortnight ago, so I'm sort of lying a bit. But anyway, as it's earlier in the week again, it gives me just enough time to look ahead to the small matter of the final day of the Premier League season. Now, a slight issue in that it's being recorded on Monday afternoon, because I'm busy tomorrow, and that unfortunately means I don't have a crystal ball, and therefore I can't sort of give three different outcomes, or I guess the way to get round that would to provide three different outcomes for the Manchester City game later tonight. You know, unless I sort of spliced in audios of going City win City lost City draw you know what I mean unfortunately I can't do that so what I can do is give a little bit of a preview and sort of like bodge this bit but um, in terms of Man City we know they need a win because of what Liverpool did on Saturday night more on that in a bit 
But um, yeah, you know, I can't say if they're going to be top of the table or second. But I do know that Brighton are safe. And that will play into City's hands somewhat. Because the one thing they wouldn't have wanted is City... Sorry, Brighton, my uh, mistake. They wouldn't want them having them fight for their lives on the final day of this season. You know, you only have to look back to 2012 and that Aguero moment to see how it can make things a lot, lot tougher. You know, QPR, everyone was expecting them to sort of roll over. It was meant to be, you know, party in the sun. We all know how it panned out eventually, but my God, it was a stressful sort of end result. Um, So City will be glad they don't have that to deal with, but that doesn't mean the stress is any less because um, obviously if they do drop points against Leicester, it puts advantage in Liverpool's hands. You know, City have been on this absolute monster run. Are they going to fall short at one of the final hurdles? I just don't know. I mean, I'll know the answer um, in about five or six hours, but unfortunately that doesn't help me now. Um, So all we can say is City need a win, but is it going to be a win that is sort of backed up after a Leicester lack of win? I don't know. Who knows? But what I do know is I can go to Turf more and offer a bit more in depth now. So Burnley, Arsenal. uh, There's two things on the agenda for Arsenal this coming Sunday. One is an emphatic win at Turf Moor against Burnley, obviously, and two, hoping that their local rivals, Tottenham, suffer a similar size reverse when they play at home to Everton. So if these two factors somehow combine, you know, I keep saying strange things have happened, this would have to be the ultimate strangest thing that's happened. It would have to have its own Netflix series um, off the back of it because, I don't know, you know, you talk about Spursy, you talk about bottling, etc., etc. This would have to be the ultimate bottling. If this... Combination results happen. Let's say 4-0 Arsenal win, 4-0 Tottenham defeat. I don't know, is that the eight-goal swing? Let's say 5-0 Arsenal, 4 you know. Let, okay, let's say a nine-goal swing, just those sort of two uh, scorelines. So Arsenal have done the job there, 5-0 at Turf War. Spurs have collapsed um, after a heroic defeat in Ajax. They've got nothing left in the tank. They've lost 4-0 at home. And Arsenal finished third, sorry, finished fourth in the Premier League table. That would be so much of a bottling, you'd have to then literally sell it as aftershave the next season. Whether it happens or not, I really would be so, so surprised. I think the football world would be surprised. I think I'd probably stop watching football. I don't think there'd be a Series 2 of the Real Football cast if that was to happen. Um, so yeah, Arsenal's incredibly faint hopes of snatching the top four would be resuscitated if that happens. However, the Gunners have picked up just one point from the last 12 that have been on offer. So even with that in mind... Beating Sean Dyche's men is far from a foregone conclusion. So, Arsenal, they need a win, and they need a win with lots of goals if they have to have any chance of surpassing Tottenham on Sunday. And if that is going to happen, they're going to need Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to be firing on all cylinders. I know he scored from the spot on Sunday, but at the same time, he sort of did um, spoon that one for about eight yards. Um, It was easier to score almost. Um, He had a number of chances, but I think Arsenal sort of folded once um, being dragged level. If he is to score and open the scoring, he gets odds of about 7-2 to two for him to do that. So I think that's arguably where some smart money might be going. But at the same time, if you're looking at Arsenal at the moment, you're thinking, oh, God, like one point from 12 might be best, might be best um, just leaving that one alone. But, you know, um, if Arsenal are going to win, it's going to need the Gabonese Vardy to do a job and more. So where should we go next? Let's go to Selhurst Park, the next preview. Now, there's a number of dead rubbers on Sunday uh, due to just the way the, I guess, the subplots of the Premier League season have panned out. But that said, Palace versus Bournemouth does have its own sort of last day drama, shall we say, because um, Palace are 12th, Bournemouth 13th, nothing really to play for. But also, prize money, don't forget. You know, it's tiered in terms of league finishing. Obviously, there's 
other elements such as um, television money um, and other things. I think it's like maintenance payments, things like that. So, um, yeah, there'll be a lot to be added to the pot. But if Palace or Bournemouth can finish above each other, you know, either Bournemouth win and they go above Palace or Palace don't lose and it stays as it is, that obviously means that one of those two clubs is going to have more prize money than the other. And that would be very welcome come the summer. You know, these aren't two clubs that, although they have TV money sloshing about, they're not, you know, in the sort of bracket of even like a Wolves or, you know, Everton. You know, they're still in that sort of mid-table section where they're not really sort of banging out £30 million transfers with um, much regularity. So extra transfer money will be welcome to either Roy Hudson or Eddie Howe. Two English managers going head-to-head. The the old versus the uh, the future. Um, Eddie Howe, we spoke about him last week on the podcast, myself and Carl. What do we know, as per usual, because we spoke about Eddie Howe going, well, you know, should think about moving on, stocks decreasing. Oh, brilliant, just go and beat Spurs, do you know what I mean? So, egg on our faces, collectively. Um, so, yeah, both teams, that's Palace and Bournemouth, should I say, they both won last weekend. Palace getting the better of Cardiff and sending them Dan. And then uh, Bournemouth, obviously, like I just said, getting the better of Tottenham. So, with their respective tails up, this could be a game that garners goals. If this encounter provides over three and a half, you can get about uh, 31 to 20, which is a little bit weird. But if you put, I don't know, if you put, uh, what's the maths now? Shit, I'm on the spot. If you put a fiver on, that's, you get about £6.67 back, don't you? So, or do you? I don't even know. You get more money than you put on to start with. I should really rehearse this beforehand, but I put myself on the spot. Because I've even written this beforehand, but it doesn't matter. Basically, don't worry about the bets. It's, it's just an, an added bit of fluff. Um, but yeah, basically, if you get three and a half goals, you could get a bit more money than you started with. So it might be worth considering that in an acker or, you know, a little bit of a, uh, a weekend flutter. But there are more. Don't worry about that. There's more to come. Fulham versus Newcastle. So, Fulham, their purple patch of form came to an end last weekend after an away defeat to Wolves. And although the West London outfit would not have been expected to get anything from their trip to Molyneux, a positive result would have certainly aided Scott Parker's hopes of full-time employment. With that in mind, he will look for the perfect send-off in his stint as interim manager um, when he goes up against one of his former clubs, Newcastle, obviously as a player, not a manager, um, who themselves could be saying goodbye to a manager of their own. Much has been made of whether Rafael Benitez will stay as steward of the Magpies and he will hope to uh, end his impressive campaign, you know, in relative terms, uh, with a win. However, you get the feeling that home advantage might just tip this one in Fulham's favour. Three wins out of the last four. I know Newcastle have won, um, was it, Two out of the last six, three out of the last six, something like that. Let me just check. Um, it's two out of the last six. Two wins, a draw, and three defeats out of the last six. So it wasn't too far off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's not a great deal to split the two teams, bar league placings and all that. But I just think Fulham have just sort of found their, um, you know, found their sort of level in terms of how they could have been performing across the, the whole season, you know, how they would have hoped to perform across the whole season, shall I say. And I just think, yeah, you know, Scott Parker's on the match of the day that Fulham are losing by margins now and not necessarily just getting pumped like 3-0 um, and thinking, oh, you know, we were woeful. It's just these little sort of differences that are costing them positive results. And I just think that um, with Newcastle sort of nothing to play for, I know Fulham don't have anything to play for either, but I just think that Newcastle had a Herculean effort against Liverpool and they didn't get anything out of that. So they might be a bit deflated. I think Fulham will like to sort of just... Try and end on a high in front of the home fans. Matthew, if you're listening, this one's for you. I'm going to go for Fulham to win, but both teams to score, and you can get odds of 7-2 to two 
on that one. And I know for a fact that if you put a pound on, you get £3.50 back and your stake. So there's some maths on that one. So uh, where should we go next? Leicester-Chelsea. Again, bit of a crystal ball scenario here. There's a sort of combination of factors in this one. So going into Monday night's clash with Manchester City, Leicester still have a chance of finishing 7th and in turn potentially entering next season's Europa League. However, to do so, they're going to have to beat both City on Monday night and Chelsea on Sunday and hope that Wolves lose to, lose to Liverpool sorry, on the final day of the season. Impossible? No. Unlikely? Perhaps. However, Chelsea, on the other hand, they have been quietly going about their business, you would sort of almost have to say. Um, I think that almost says a lot about the race for the top four and the sort of lack of quality thereof. That Chelsea, no disrespect, they've slipped up to third and sort of just, yeah, on the outside, really. Like, just going about their business, picking up points where everyone else has sort of relatively failed. And they know that now that not only if they win on Sunday against Leicester, that guarantees them third place. But as things stand, they no longer have to cash in on their Europa League insurance policy. Obviously, they're not going to go, oh, bollocks, you don't need to win it now. Do you know what I mean? It's fine. Obviously, they still want to win silverware. Um, if only just to try and end the season on a positive note. But also because uh, Mauricio Sarri might need that to save his job. I mean, um, when you look at the, the lie of the land now, the sort of ever-changing landscape of Premier League football, the sort of Sarri swingometer has sort of swung back in. Maybe he's staying because you sort of think, well, third place, not a bad finish if they get there. Top that out of your Open League, you think, well, actually, it's not, not that bad. Um, and then you sort of add into the mix that perhaps Chelsea do need a period of stability and sort of stop chopping and changing. I think my mind chops and changes every week and what Chelsea need more than the other. And I think I think you look at Chelsea now and I think they just need someone that that can be there for, I don't know, at least two or three seasons. Just try and map out some foundations for someone to then come in and reap the benefits or something. I just don't really see, with Chelsea being back in the Champions League, that they then need to change their manager. I think that would be cutting off their nose despite their fate. And I face, sorry. And I just think that with what Sari's done, I think he's just about got a pass. But, you know, Roman Abramovich obviously sees football differently to how I do and many others. So don't be surprised at the same time if it's Sari, but uh, that was not good enough. So we'll have to wait and see, of course, in the summer. Another wait and see will be Liverpool versus Wolves because, again, Crystal ball time, all based on this Man City uh, result. It sort of buggered up my preview somewhat. But again, I can sort of try and offer um, a little bit of context around this one. So we know with Newcastle losing to Liverpool on Monday that the race for the title is going down to the final day of the season. We will see a super Sunday. Um, I just, at the time of recording, don't know if Liverpool go into the, the race first or second in the table. Regardless of what happens at the Etihad's, Liverpool will go into the tie at home to Wolves, knowing that they've won their last 39 home league matches. You know That's more than two seasons of um, efforts, so that's incredible. They'll be confident of making it 40, although they'll be sweating on the fitness of Mo Salah. Always a good visual, that literally uh, just a sweaty manager. And um, the Egyptian has been confirmed that he's going to be missing the uh, return leg of the Barcelona Champions League semi-final, which after being 3-0 down... Um, does Jurgen Klopp think, OK, just fringe players. Like, Let's just leave it and be fully fresh for Sunday. I wouldn't blame him, to be honest. Um, that said, it is a dangerous sort of precedent when you're sort of swapping one silverware attempt for the other. Um, again, though, ends always justify means. So if Liverpool did play a fringe team against Barcelona with the title already almost done and dusted... But then, then firing all cylinders for Sunday and won the league title, no one would really care that much. Um, 
you know, it wouldn't be a particularly welcome decision, but I think it's all about the greater good and such. So it'd be interesting to see what starting eleven is played uh, against Barcelona. But when you're 3-0 down, you know, why put all your eggs in a European-shaped basket? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see on that one. Where next? Let's go to Old Trafford. Jesus. And on the basis of Manchester United's last league showing, many will be wondering just how far the rot has actually set in. And after dropping two crucial points away at Huddersfield, their hopes of playing in next season's Champions League have now ended. So this means that the rebuilding job for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has got that little bit more difficult because the prospect of obviously playing in the Europa League is not great. I guess when Mourinho sacked, that was probably what fans would have expected. Perhaps they got their hopes raised somewhat after that you know, impressive, stupendous run, whatever sort of word you want to stick behind that. But, you know, run that looked good at the time. You thought, oh, actually, this United team is a little bit tasty, a bit dangerous. And then all of a sudden, the cracks that have been papered over have just started to reappear. But not just reappear, they've ripped the paper and got wider. Because this team, if you looked at sort of a graph of United season, it's been sort of, you know, obviously you have to visualise this, I can't draw the graph because you can't see it. Or I can draw the graph, you can't see it. But anyway, so it's sort of kind of like a... Relatively flat start, no real sort of peaks. And then, you know, December, arguably your lowest moment. And then whoop, it's gone just soared up to, you know, well, in context, it's gone up, you know. And then you've hit, I don't know, March. Well, basically the appointment of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at a permanent basis. I and mean, you can't blame him. It's not his fault. But I don't know if that's meant the players' mentalities are sort of like the equivalent of undoing the belt on Christmas Day. You've had all your turkey and you're just un- unbuckled and you're just relaxing, don't you? And you're just like, well, well, we're done. Just there's been some some sort of sea change at the moment. And you look at United and you think they're just dog dirt. They really are bad. And the fact that they now are playing in the Europa League next season means that any transfer target they would have had, you know, they've been talking about transfer targets for the past six weeks or so. And it's all about, you know, long-term planning, a big summer ahead. Those targets, they're going to be, you know, misfiring because trying to sell, and it's not an impossible sell because a money talks and you know I do have a, a lot of that and also you know it's still a very big club you know there's no doubt in that and they're still going to have a long queue of players that would give their right arm to play for Manchester United it's just the top calibre players that they might have hoped on getting or at least having half a chance of getting in the summer they might have to revise their transfer targets so this Sunday season play host to a Carlisle side whose relegation fate has been sealed after that home defeat to Palace last Saturday. So with that in mind, United should be able to at least end on a high note. Again, this is team selection notwithstanding, because Oli might just think, well, you know, we can't really do much more. Um, Let's just play the kids. I don't know. Um, But, you know, there's no duty to the Premier League or integrity because Cardiff are down. So he might just be like a free hit and just play some fringe players. Regardless, I reckon it's going to be a win to zero and you can get all of about 23 to 20. So just over evens. Um, looks good accumulator fodder, that one. So, yeah, consider that. Um, but don't take it as red, you know, because like I say, the team selection of United might just put a cat amongst the proverbial pigeons. But I think United should win that run one regardless. So, where now? Let's go to St Mary. Southampton and Huddersfield are two clubs that have rolled the dice in terms of changing managerial personnel season, and you only have to look at their respective league placings to see which decision paid off. For the Saints, it has been a case of resurgence under Ralph hassan Hootle, while for Huddersfield, it has been more about just putting this arduous campaign behind them and hoping for better days in the Championship under the tutelage of Jan Sievert. 
Now, obviously, Huddersfield, they may have held United to a draw last weekend, but at the same time, that's been the only bright spark in a bleak 2019. I mean, really, you could say a bleak season. I mean, it's been awful. Um, but, you know, in this sort of period, this Sievert period, you would have hoped for a new manager bounce. That's not happened. So on the basis of his results alone, that's been bleak. So, you know, at least the home fans got a relatively good, decent send-off for their troubles. And, you know, no disrespect to the fans. They've been a decent bunch of the last two seasons. They probably knew themselves they were in for hiding this time around. Unfortunately, they are one of the... I think it's, there was nine teams previously. I think they're the tenth team now that's fallen victim of that deadly disease which is known as second season syndrome. So, unfortunately, um, there'll be no final day flourish for Huddersfield either. As I've got a feeling Southampton will be winning this one at both half-time and full-time. Uh, maybe Shane Long might, you know, become the world's great striker once again with another goal. Um you know, that might or might not happen. But I think, like I say, going back to Southampton, half-time, full-time, um, that pays out 20 to 21, to so just under evens. But again, a good accumulator fodder, I think. You should be all right with that one. Where to now? Tottenham, 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 my very own Tottenham. Jesus. Right, OK, so um, more on their defeat in a moment. Let's look ahead. I mean, Mauricio Pochettino would have looked at the Premier League table over the past few weeks and wondered just in how on earth his Tottenham side is still in the top four because really they, they don't well deserve is probably a bit of a strong to say they don't deserve it it's probably a strong term because you can't blame them for other teams also being naff at the same time you know they've made life incredibly difficult for themselves and not really sort of befitting of a Tottenham team you'd expect of all sort of quality they have massively hit the wall thankfully you know other teams have not just hit the wall they've gone right through the other side so you know if their form has been indifferent then thankfully that of Arsenal and United has been little better, if at all. And it's arguably that sole reason that sees the Champions League semi-finalists just inches away from rubber stamping a return to the competition next season. So obviously there's Ajax on the horizon, but um, obviously looking past that is Everton. Um, as for the Champions League semi-final, I asked a question on Twitter on Saturday afternoon and at the time it was in the balance. It was basically a question that said, if you're a Spurs fan, or oh, sorry, Yes, I guess. Like, if you're a Spurs fan, what would you rather be Ajax on Wednesday or be Everton on Sunday? Which is quite the sort of dichotomy because you think, okay, if we beat Ajax, we get to the Champions League final, but then there's no guarantee that um, you'd win the Champions League final. But you know, you're in the Champions League final, which in itself is great. At the same time, you could lose to Ajax, but beat Everton, definitely get into the top four, and then you're back in the Champions League, but without that sort of moment of being in um, in a European final, which I think as fans you arguably want. And it's a real sort of tough one. It was going sort of 50, 50, 50 sort of 52, 48 in favour of Ajax, and then it sort of flips it back to Everton. You, you know, you can see what I'm trying to sort of map out here. It was neck and neck. Now that's a bit of a moot point because obviously we don't need to beat Everton, but I think, if anything, that's probably played into Tottenham's hands even more because now they can look at the Ajax game and think, OK, we're not full strength far from it, but the players we've got at our disposal, we can just go hell for leather. Just absolutely go for it for 90 minutes or 120 minutes. And if you're dead on your ass on the Sunday, who cares? Because you're just about over the line. I'll get to my curveball bet in a minute. But um, yeah, I mean, had Tottenham needed to get a result in Amsterdam and needed to get a result on Sunday, you'd be thinking, well, there's not enough gas in the tank for both. I mean, arguably, there's not even enough gas in the tank now. But if you're sort of looking for some, you know, 
you know, if you're a driver and you're sloshing the tank around from side to side and you're just trying to get every last drip out of this proverbial car or squad, go for Ajax and just literally no guts, no glory. And if we lose, then so be it. You know, we've pushed ourselves to the absolute maximum. Of course, people will argue and say, what if, if we sign players, blah blah But there's no guarantee that new players would have got you this far or whatever. You can only work with what you've got and Poch has done that to an incredible degree and there will always be that nagging doubt if we don't make the Champions League final of oh well if we had an extra centre midfielder if we had an extra forward but it's all conjecture and you can't you can't base real decisions on that so it's no point beating yourself up about either you just need to sort of play the hand it's dealt this is the hand we've got and go for it so we'll have to see how the midweek pans out so to get over the line literally crawling over the top four line they just need to avoid a heavy defeat against an Everton side whose Europa League hopes ended last weekend. So, as I said earlier, let's say a 5-0 win for Arsenal and a 4-0 loss for Spurs. That would be the nightmare scenario. If that nightmare scenario happened, well, the second half of it happened in Tottenham, you can get odds, wait for it, of 84-1 to of Toffees, of the Toffees, putting Tottenham in a sticky situation. I don't know why I'm laughing. If that happens, I would literally give up watching football. So, Odds of 84-1, to 1. surely even that's worth a pound if you're not a Tottenham fan, just because you never, ever, ever know, do you? But I really, really hope it doesn't happen. Personally, I think it'll just be like a really boring 0-0 draw. As I'm going there, it probably will happen, um, but I'll take that. Just literally, just get me over that line by hook or by crook. And it certainly has been that over the past couple of weeks. So, um, where should we go last in our Premier League review? There's only one place to go. I can't go back to where we've been. It's Vicarage Road. And after Watford suffered a heavy defeat at the hands of Chelsea last weekend, their hopes of earning Europa League place by a seventh place finish have evaporated. Bang, they've gone up in smoke. And now it's time to cash in on their FA Cup backup plan. So I mentioned this last week to Carl that Javi Grazia might look at might look at the Chelsea game, might look at the fact they're 10th and think, oh, actually, do you know what? Let's just mix things up, freshen players. I was probably one week too early in that mindset because really, you know, had they won, they would have still been in the mix for seventh and getting a uh, Europa League place through that route and not having to cash in on their FA Cup insurance plan. So this Sunday season play host to West Ham side, who are not only looking to pick up their third successive league win, but in doing so, leapfrog the Hornets and secure a top half finish. So if Watford were to slip to 11th, it would be quite the fall from grace considering, you know, we're talking about them competing for 7th. But I think like any team that then qualifies for an FA Cup final, there's always that period where you think, well, what are you really focusing on? And of course, if they do finish 11th and win the FA Cup, then again, no one's really going to matter too much. Again, there'll be prize money difference that would have been handy. But, you know, European football, blah blah it wouldn't be the end of the world. It would still be a better finish than what's happened in the last sort of few seasons. So it's been a success for Javi Grazia. I think just this sort of last six weeks might have taken the edge of it slightly, but a cup final undoes any sort of um, uncredit that they've uh, picked up as of late. So with that in mind, and like I say, with Watford sort of focusing on the cup final, I wouldn't be too surprised if West Ham got a win here, actually. They seem to be ending the season on something of a good run of form, I should know that as they beat Tottenham, what was it, two weeks ago. So don't be surprised if they win. And odds are 23-10. to 10. Um, Yeah, so just over 2-1. to one. It's certainly worth your consideration. So that's the, the preview element. Now let's look back. And Saturday, 
Liverpool leave it late again. Good alliteration there from me. So you simply cannot write Liverpool off, can you? They have a habit of scoring late goals this season. And once again, this was on display on Saturday. Jurgen Klopp now is going to have every reason to believe that his team really can win the uh, Premier League. He's talking about, oh, we've reached our final, which I know what he means. It's not strictly a final, is it? It's just the last day of the season. But he's sort of thinking, forget the Champions League. That's not what it's about. It's about the Premier League. He's gunning for domestic glory. And I don't know, you know... I'm recording this on Monday night, and I've got a sneaky feeling that City might slip up on Monday, but I've got an even sneakier feeling that then Liverpool might slip up on um, on Sunday. I just think there might be these like double twists, um, and I think City might nick it on the last day, just because they'll it will literally be both teams picking up four points in the last two games of the season. And I think that City's win and Liverpool draw might just be the, the reason that City win the league title. It might, I mean, it might not happen at all, but I've just got a sneaky feeling. I just think that the Brendan Rodgers factor tonight um, might just be that little sting in the tail. I don't know. I'm a romantic. I love, I love football drama. So let's just hope there's a bit more drama of that. Um, so yeah, like I said, it could be um, Rafa Benitez coming to the end of his uh, Newcastle stint as manager. He certainly led a fired-up Magpies outfit into battle. And if, if they played like that every week, they'd be knocking on the door of Europa League place more than sort of just languishing in that just above... Mid, well, you know, just out of the relegation battle bracket. They're sort of comfortably mid-table, which for them is a success. Um, I guess it all depends on the ambition of Mike Ashley, which, when you look at the last few seasons, is not a lot. And you'd have to sort of... I don't know, money talks. If money can be found put in Rafa's hands, not in a bribe, I'm not suggesting that, of course, um, I think he'd stay because he's got the fans on board. You could hear him, hear them, sorry, on Saturday, you know, doing the Rafa Benitez Morton's stay chant. But unfortunately, even after that amazing effort against the Reds, they still found found themselves on the losing side. And after Liverpool handling a drubbing by Barcelona three days earlier, um, it, they bounced back in ideal fashion. I mean, not in terms of performance because they weren't at their best, but, as always, at this point of the season, it's more about um, points than performance. And Liverpool got all three. Uh, Divock Origi is the hero for now. Um, the goal, obviously, was a great header, great cross. Whether it should have been a free kick, I don't know. I don't really think it should have been. Fabinho sold the assistant um, with that one. I think, you know, it's a, I don't want to get into this sort of Liverpool diving hoo-ha again. But, I mean... This time it was referenced on Match of the Day. Um, Newcastle feel hard done by, especially after hitting the woodwork. They'll also perhaps feel hard done by in the fact that TAA, Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, handled the ball on the line in the build-up to Newcastle's equaliser. But obviously Newcastle got the goal. So what would you rather have in that situation? Would you rather have the penalty, Liverpool down to 10 men? Obviously you've still got to score the penalty. Um, you'd probably rather have the goal. I mean, Liverpool probably also thinking we'll rather have the goal as well because you don't really want to play what was it 75 odd minutes with 10 men and also have him suspended for the final day of the season you know you don't really want that so they're probably I don't know if lucky's the word either do you know what I mean? they were fortunate fortunate the decision panned out how it did but I think both parties were happy in the way it panned out so there's not going to be many complaints there certainly would have been complaints about that free kick award late on but, you know, you've still got to deal with the ball into the box as well. And they didn't. And, you know, perfectly flighted free kick from Shakiri. Enter Shakiri, enter Origi, goal. And that is the one that puts them on top as we go into the clash at the Etihad tonight between City and Leicester. 
Oof. You just can't pick it. Well, you can sort of pick it because City are a monster trying to form. But again, um, it's just going to be a sensational night of football because it's just it's set up for City to fail almost. Um, if they can clear this one, then they are they are in touching distance. And then Liverpool just think, what on earth have we got to do to win this? But like I say, Brendan Rodgers, he moves in mysterious ways. Don't be surprised if, if City somehow implode on Monday night. So... Let's um, go, where should we go now? Let's review Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, like I say, the Bournemouth game. I mean, to say the race for the top four has been nothing short of sta- sorry, strange would be a huge understatement. And although Tottenham fell to another defeat on Saturday, they have all but booked entry into next season's Champions League, as I mentioned. So once again, Mauricio Pochettino would have been fearing the worst after another Saturday that finished in a Premier League defeat. And after stuttering against West Ham in their previous out- outing, they fluffed their lines once again, which I almost did there. Actually, I pretty much did there. So, ironic. Um, with Bournemouth having nothing to play for, that should have been the perfect opposition for Tottenham to deal with and in turn get the win, which would then booked the top four place under their own violation. Unfortunately, though, it was a game that also saw Spurs... saw. <laughs> hang on. Which saw Spurs see red not once, but twice. Now, for me, that looks like the pressure has got to Sun. I think, you know, he's very jovial. Looks like the most happiest footballer in the world. Someone you can't really dislike. But all of a sudden, it's been like, you know, the red mist has literally just come over him and he's pushed Jefferson Lerma. You know, you could argue that he stood on Sun's foot, which he'd be a bit annoyed at. Um, and then he just went right. And I think, you know, should Lerma have gone to ground? Perhaps not. Did he have a right to? Perhaps. Should Sun be pushing players like that? Perhaps not, you know, I've got to stop saying perhaps really, but you see what I mean, like it's not, um, you can see why some were sent off, uh, but Lerma obviously played into that as well, which, you know, Tottenham down to 10 men, not great, Eric Dyer, far from great, um, early booking, probably should have given away, probably should have had a penalty awarded against him in the first half, for that reason he was hooked off, Alderweireld was also hooked off, uh, he was on a yellow card, but then you thought, hang on, like, he's an experienced player. You would have thought he would be able to walk a disciplinary tightrope for another 45 minutes. It seemed that he wasn't going to be risked to do so. Juan Foyth couldn't walk the disciplinary tightrope for four minutes. You know, obviously, no real malice in his tackle, just a rush of blood, quite, you know, and he's just gone straight through um, the Bournemouth defender or whoever the player was. I can't really remember now. Um, I'm trying to sort of absolve this game from memory. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like a bad day has gone to worse and it's gone from worse to even awful um, in the last minute. Uh, I guess a resilient Tottenham, were they? I don't know. Nine men, obviously, they're sort of trying to do their best. Um, and then obviously they're bested by a late Nathan Ackley header. So not ideal. But, you know, Saturday, I'm fearing the worst that like every other Tottenham fan. Twitter's an absolute whitewash of... Um, Bad comments, you know, not bad tweets, obviously, good quality tweets, but you just mean, you know, just anti, um, t- anti-Tottenham dialects about their own club is probably a nice way to put it. And then Sunday, everything's fine. Everything's absolutely fine, isn't it? Because um, it takes us to the Emirates. And I mentioned on Twitter that um, me included, Tottenham fans, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, played Brighton, and the theory was, Time-wasting bastards. I hope they get relegated. After Brighton's draw of Arsenal on Sunday, fantastic result. Great little club. Always like them. You know, football fans never change because they're just so fickle and they're just so, you know, two-faced and all that. You just 
if it goes against you, things are the worst things in the world. If they go for you, everything's brilliant. And it's exactly how it's panned out for Tottenham. Because if Tottenham's form has been indifferent as of late, then Arsenal's form has been nothing short of abysmal. And it's that return of just one point from the last 12 on offer, which has ultimately cost them a top four finish. Now, we've done the sort of crazy maths, um, and I'm not going to go through that again. But obviously, Arsenal knew that Tottenham slipped up a day before, so that would have been the, the easy impetus for them to go out and earn maximum points against Brighton. You know, what else do you need to be given as encouragement? You know, there's top four, go and take it. No, absolutely not. So although they took the lead through um, a Bamiyang from the penalty spot, it was a day of penalties and Arsenal ultimately couldn't complete the task in hand. That's because in a game of spot kicks, Glenn Murray's own effort from 12 yards in the second half was enough to give Brighton a point, who already would have been in celebratory mood after securing safety from relegation 24 hours or so earlier. Now, obviously, Arsenal are just... Well, what can you say about them, really? Obviously, as a, a Tottenham fan... I'll try not to have too much schadenfreude in this one. But, um, you know, they could still go on and win the Europa League. Don't forget that. Obviously, they've still got a clear... Sorry, the hurdle of Valencia in midweek. With, even with their woeful form on the road, you would think that they probably have enough in the tank to... You know, with a 3-1 advantage, you're looking at a 2-0 home defeat, which Valencia would probably think they can achieve, especially after watching, you know, I don't know if they did sit around a TV and watch the Arsenal Brighton yesterday, probably not, they're probably playing in La Liga themselves, um, but they'll feel that they can get a result, Arsenal we're going to have to sort of weather an early storm, if they get an early goal, then it really puts them, um, you know, it blows things wide open, should I say, um, but however, I've got a niggling feeling as a Spurs fan, I mean, I say niggling, it shouldn't really bother me, I'm more worried about my own team, but I do feel that Arsenal will get to the Europa League final, and I do feel that they might even win it. And I think, you know, then that whole North London argument kicks in again. Like, I don't know, let's play a bit of role play here. If Arsenal get to the Europa League final and win it, and Spurs get to a Champions League final and lose, obviously the banter is going to be electric, he says. But, you know, who has the better season? Is it silverware or is it getting further or getting to the same level in a higher tier competition? Text in, I say text in, tweet me, let me know what you think if you're listening. What would you rather have, even as a neutral, would you rather get to a Champions League final and lose? Would you rather get to a Europa League final and win? Obviously, you know, you want to win silverware, but do you want to be aiming for silverware in the grandest competitions of all? I'll leave that one with you. Um, So where next? Chelsea, like I say, snuck up into third place. They look like they're going to keep it. They beat Watford 3-0. Um, the only thing I can take from that game is that if you ever listened to um, the Kicked in the Bin episode, I think it was episode, I think it was one. Yes, it was. It was Kicked in the Bin number one, where Matthew came up with a perla of fans asking for things from players, like a shirt or a bib or something. Yesterday, I saw someone asking for David Louise's boots. Now, when will it ever end is the question you have to ask yourself. The answer is... I really don't know, but I can only see it getting... I mean, it's just getting silly now, really, isn't it? Like, your car keys, um, one week's wages. Like, I just, like... It's beyond belief, really. It's just, like, your boots. Like, um, I know, like, Jose Mourinho threw a Premier League winner's medal into the crowd, which, A, was probably um, a huge breach of health and safety, and if it hit someone on the head, could have caused serious damage. I mean, just slightly, but, you know, it's much heavier than a coin, isn't it? Um, just putting it out there. Um, so there's obviously form for bigger objects to be thrown into the crowd at Chelsea, but your your boots. I mean, come on. I mean, is is it going to be pants? I don't know. Anyway, I digress. Chelsea obviously 
over the line. Whether they can get third, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Watford, as a reference, they're in cup mode. Um, and it was almost visible on a Sunday as well. So a good win for Chelsea. Gets their um, objective done, obviously. Well, I guess the original objective would have been to actually go and win the Premier League, which at the start of the season, people were weighing up their chances quite considerably. But as we all know, it's not panned out um, as it would have liked to have been. Gonzalo Higuain scored. Um, I don't know. I think the jury's still out on whether he'll stay. I think that's five goals now. Five or six. Again, should have done my research. Um, but not, not quite... A, a great return that many would have anticipated. I think it's just under one in two. Um, is that par? I don't know. I mean, I know Sorry was saying that he'll be great if he stays next season. Whether that's tied into whether he stays next season. Again, a lot of things will have to unfold across the next weeks and months. But um, I don't know. Maybe it's... I, I guess, really, if you looked at Higuain, if he was to stay, you could say, right, there's your bed and in period. What can you do across the whole season? But at the same time, you've sort of months further down the line. Have you still got the legs, etc., etc.? Um, I don't know. I guess a lot of it also will um, revolve around the transfer ban, whether that is allowed a window to sort of push it back and there's quick, buy as many players as you can. That will have to also be taken into consideration. So interesting times ahead for Chelsea, but at least they'll be in the Champions League next season. Wolves, they'll be looking for European football. Again, I sort of played out the... Uh, the what they need and all that, the uh, permutations is the word I was looking for. Um, they moved a step closer after beating Fulham on Saturday. Uh, we spoke about sort of margins and Scott Park and all that. It was Dendonka with the biggest margin of all, as it was his goal that um, sent 20,000-odd masked Wolf fans in delirium. Uh, WWE star Sin Cara is a fan of Raul Jimenez. Um, yeah, so why not? Obviously, the obvious connection, Mexican wrestler, Bring loads of masks in. Although I thought it was going to be full-on actual luchador mask. It turned out it was just sort of the, the front and a sort of card set up. Bit naff. Although I did actually go to Villa Park to see Villa Brighton once. And me and four other mates did actually take full luchador masks. And this was about eight or nine years ago. Not even a Mexican player playing for either club. We were just idiots. Um, it didn't catch on. So uh, make of that what you will. Um, Cardiff relegated. Um, yeah, I mean... Neil Warnock's team haven't really disgraced themselves by any um, imagination. Um, you know, they've sort of been hovering around that 17th, 18th all season. Unfortunately for them, they've formed the wrong side of the line. Um, yeah, I mean, they've not like been ranked bad like Huddersfield or anything like that, but they lacked sort of real quality goals. I know, you know, the Salah tragedy would not have helped them. Again, a huge what-if question if he was part of the team in this past four months what could they have done you never know the answer to that question so again it's not really worth trying to pick it apart but that will be sort of a, a seed of sort of thinking I guess with uh, within Cardiff fans but um, yeah Neil Warnock I guess he'll have to ask himself whether he wants to go through another war of attrition as Cardiff manager because the championship it's a painful season isn't it? 46 matches before you even get to the playoffs Um don't know, at his age, I don't want to do him a disservice, but you might just think, oh, do you know what, it's not really worth it. Like, I've had a stint in the Premier League. Do I, do I have the appetite to do this again? I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Chelsea, uh, Chelsea Cardiff do um, in the summer in terms of, you know, they have parachute payments. You're looking to sort of get up within two seasons. If they, if they can buy well, because they haven't really got key players that you'd sort of think, oh, you know, if, if we lost them, it's going to be a massive detriment to us. 
if they can sort of keep the nucleus of the team or the squad they've got, then they only probably need a sort of couple of smart additions to that sort of group, and they might be okay to sort of go again. It's more, like I say, whether the manager has the appetite to go through that at his age and with the, the history behind him, blah blah etc, etc. So, again, that's a decision we'll have to sort of see how that pans out over the coming weeks and months. Everton, they beat Burnley 2-0 on Friday night. Um, you know, not a, an amazing game. Everton won that game and then they would have just had hopes of top seven. Unfortunately, they would have been extinguished after um, Wolves' win against Fulham on um, the following day. So for Marco Silva, it's it's not been a bad first season. Um, you know, it's certainly been a better period at the end. Maybe it's finally starting to click for him and he can think, okay, this is what I know is my best sort of team and now I can use that to go forward next season and not necessarily make loads of extra additions in the summer because Everton have spent a lot of money in the last what, two years and you think, okay, you know, do we want to chuck more money at the wall and think, okay, what's going to stick now? And you, you know, it's always tempting to do that. And Everton aren't really short of funds, but there's not a bad group of players at Everton. You think they're just about sort of turning the corner and they're going back in the right direction. So maybe just a couple of smarter additions, not necessarily just pumping money at you know t- random targets or just targets. You know, bad recruitment. I think really is what's been their undoing. Certainly in that first um, big money season, you know, there's about four number tens. Um, etc etc um, just like Klassen, Rooney, Sigurdsson you know you've still got Lookman, Walcott you've got Richarlison they, they need a strike in the summer they definitely need that if nothing else um, but they're not a million miles away from knocking on the top six door but as we mentioned on this podcast many times it's as if Wolves have sort of beaten them to the punch now and they're the ones that have sort of on the, on the, the seventh step or well, literally this time around but you get the feeling if Wolves can make even smarter additions then they're going to be not just you know, curtailing Everton, but mixing it up with the top six. And if Arsenal don't have any funds to uh, to slosh around in the summer, then it might be the the big six is really disrupted. You know, that's just me being a bit fanciful. Um, but you don't know, do you? You really don't know. Um, so Everton, yeah, I guess the season just about gets a pass. It's been rather indifferent at times, frustrating, really inconsistent. You know, that's really been their, their downfall. They're great at home. You know, they beat um, Man United. Arsenal, Chelsea at home recently, drew with Liverpool um, in a Merseyside derby, which although it wasn't the greatest 90 minutes, it was a good performance ever, and you could see they were up for it. Um, and then they, like, they lose to Fulham away from home. They, they lose to Newcastle when they're 2-0 up, and they lose 3-2. So those inconsistencies will have to be ironed out. But um, yeah, I think on the whole, Everton have just done about all right, and I can see Silva being given more time. Of course, a bad start, and that credit gets eroded, but I think, you know, we're sort of talking quite a few steps ahead here. So I think, you know, Everton will have the same manager in place. It'll be interesting to see what they do in terms of recruitment over the summer. And finally, in terms of review, West Ham beat Southampton. So West Ham, um, yeah, I mean, they're ending the season on a bit of a, a purple patch of form. Again, inconsistency has been their undoing also. I mean, not everyone can change for seventh. You do need to have some teams that are finishing sort of 11th and 12th and all that. So West Ham, again, um, their season probably gets a pass as well when you consider that an awful start and people are sort of thinking, well, is Pellegrini the man for the job? I think he certainly proved he is. Um, whether he'll be there four or five years down the line in terms of sort of a long-term manager, probably not due to his age, but again, you don't know, do you? Um, so whether he can sort of try and put building blocks in for the future for the next man to sort of reap the benefits, 
that's what it probably is the direction they'll go in. Um, but yeah, West Ham, they looked good against Southampton, but I think Southampton, again, they sort of undone the belt buckle, um, had some pudding and just relaxed really, haven't they? No, and why not? You know, they've had a, a tough season staying above water. They've done that. They're afloat. And I think, you know, if they can sort of um, have one game where they're not really sort of turning it on, then I don't think a defeat to West Ham away from home is the worst one that they can do. Um, so, uh, yeah, West Ham, I think their their pitch looks better with that burgundy um, perimeter. That's an improvement. It's still um, a million miles away from the pitch when you try and watch the matches, but you can't have it all. Uh, whether they try and make tweaks to the stadium in the summer, I don't know what they can do. Again, I don't know. I'm not a structural engineer. But um, I think the desire is to hopefully condense it a little bit. But again, that's just wishful thinking from not just my point of view, but also West Ham point of view. And that has been my points of view for this week. So just to do a bit of admin, um, next week is the final episode of the season. Thank God, they say. Um, yes, we've we've hit the wall. We've hit the uh, the final furlong. We're running on empty. Um, but yes, hopefully it will be the band back together. It'll, I think it's going to be me, Cole and JS. We're going to be bookending the first episode of the season to number 44. In addition to that, um, there'll be a little bit of a, a break, say like a fortnight. And then from the start of June through to the end of July, I'm going to be doing the 10-minute um, gossip column that I did in January. So just sort of keep things rolling, keep the momentum going so you can find out who is going where over the summer. Um, there'll be plenty of that. Um, more transfer cake than you can even um, fit in your stomach. And yeah, that's about it really. So I'll stop waffling on. It just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is a real football cast in association with Loser Paul. And until next time, goodbye. Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.